Uh, before we jump into the uh, message today, I have a uh, personal note to, uh, to you guys. I want to say thank you. Um, earlier this week, uh, my six-week-old daughter uh, spiked a huge fever, and we had to rush her to the emergency room, and we were worried sick. It was a terrible week. She was in the hospital for, uh, for four days, and um, sending out a bunch of stuff over the prayer broadcast that we have here at Grace. And so I'm just very uh, delighted to say that, that she's home, she's, she's uh, fever-free, all the, the tests came back all negative and everything, so um, it's, and I'm not going to do what Tatiana did, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the tears back, I'm not much of a crier, but, but I do just want to personally thank you guys, because I cannot tell you how, how much it means to know that people are praying for someone that you really care about. And, uh, and it's Father's Day today, and as a father, I mean, it just, it just throws you into complete turmoil. And uh, so I just thank you guys. So many people emailed and just reached out, and it was awesome. And uh, if you're here and you're like, wait, how, did I, how am I out of the loop? Like, how did I not know this? And all, like, in your, in your bulletin, okay, you know I'm the announcements guy. I can't help but do announcements, okay? So in your bulletin, there's a Connect card. If you open it up, it's the bottom. Right there, it's a perforated cart, and there's a thing you can check on there. It says, add me to the prayer broadcast. It's a weekly thing. Once a week, you get prayer requests from this family here at Grace. And you just check that, and you put an email address down, and you'll just get that every week. And then if there's an emergency request, it will go out right into your, your inbox, and it's kind of a way to stay in the loop of what's going on around here. And if you have a prayer request, anytime, you can use that Connect card. You drop it in the red box over there. And that prayer request, if you want, it can be put on that prayer broadcast. And you had about 200 people praying for, for whatever that is that you want. So, uh, again, just thank you guys from the bottom of my heart on behalf of uh, my family who's not here today because we're, we're keeping, we got to kind of do a lockdown, no, no germs, no, you know, no, no, none of that. We're keeping the baby in a, in a big bubble today. So, um, anyway, enough about that. Uh, happy Father's Day to, uh, to all you dads out there. And, um, you know, it was, it was, I think it was two years ago that I got the, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to speak and give the sermon on Father's Day. And um, I was so excited because, you see, one of my favorite movies of all time is the movie Braveheart. Any Braveheart fans out there? Oh, yeah, baby. Come on. So, so you know, I've been wanting to show, like, I, I love the movie clip thing, and I've been wanting to show a movie clip. And so, um, you know, it was Father's Day, and so I love this, this scene where, uh, you know, where William Wallace gives the big speech before the battle. It's just brilliant. So... It had nothing to do with my message that day. I mean, nothing. Zero. Okay? But I just said, it's Father's Day. This is a guy movie. I'm putting it in there for the guys, you know? So this week, you guys, I was tempted once. I wanted to show the exact same clip today. And I'm just like, you can't do You know, you got to be fresh and new and different. And so you can't show the same thing again, right? Or, or can you? No, we actually, we're not going to show it today. I got, can't, can't, can't do the same old thing. I think we got some hot dogs for all the guys. I don't even know if we got condiments or drinks or even napkins. This is like classic guy. This is for you guys. Just plain and simple. You grab a hot dog after the service, and so that'll be fun. But you know what I realized is uh, we're in John chapter 19 today, and if you, if you bring your Bible, which I always encourage you to do, uh, I ask you to go ahead and open it up, turn to it. I think it's a great way, just a great habit to get into to, to start bringing your Bible to church. We're in John chapter 19 today, and you know what? We're at the part of the story where Jesus is crucified. And the events leading up to this story, they're like the perfect setting for a guy movie. 
I mean, here you've got Jesus, and he's got all his guys with him, and one of them is like this major conspiracy, right? One of his disciples turns on him and, and hands him over to the, to the Jewish authorities. And so the Jewish authorities come in the night, and, and they come and they capture Jesus. And there's this, this sword fight, and Peter cuts off one of the guy's ears, and you've got this massive power struggle then where they go before the, the Roman authorities. I mean, it is just the perfect scene for a guy movie. So we don't, we don't even need the clip today, guys. We are, we are locked and loaded. You've got, you got beatings, blood, death. I mean, it's all the good stuff that guys crave in movies. So, so let's just uh, jump right in to the story. But before we do, why don't we say a quick word of prayer? Uh, God, we are opening up your word today, um, and we're just asking you to speak to us. Uh, Lord, we're coming here from all different uh, places, and we've had all different things going on in our week. I know my week has been crazy, God. And uh, we just ask that you would just kind of help us to focus in for a few minutes on what you might have to say to us this morning through your word. So speak to us, God, in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Now, John chapter uh, 19 is, is really connected with John 18. You can't really separate the two because there's this, there's this ongoing story that's, that's happening. And basically what's going on is the Jewish leaders have come out and they've captured Jesus. Okay? And now they have taken him and they've put him before the Roman governor. Who knows what his name is? The Roman governor. Pilate. Very good. So Jesus is now before Pilate. Okay? And the reason that the Jewish leaders brought Jesus before a Roman governor is because the Jews are actually under Roman rule. Okay? The Romans have attacked the Jewish nation and now they're controlling it. So they make a lot of the decisions. They, they make all these determinations. And so the Jewish leaders are now before Pilate, and they're saying, hey, Pilate, we've got this guy, Jesus, and he's stirring up all kinds of trouble, okay? And you don't want that because you're trying to maintain order and keep everything, you know, just kind of locked down. And so you need to kill this guy. He's going to cause you all kinds of problems. In fact, guess what, Pilate? He has been claiming to be the son of God. He's been claiming to be the king. And Pilate, you know that there's only one king, and that's Caesar, right? The Roman emperor. It was total blasphemy. I mean, if, if Caesar heard about that, he would kill Jesus in a second, okay? So, so the Jewish leaders have come on these trumped-up charges because, because Jesus, let's be honest, Jesus is threatening them. Jesus anti-establishment here, okay? He's threatening their authority. He's stirring up all sorts of controversy. We've been talking about this as we've been trekking through the Gospel of John. And so here they are before Pilate. And what's interesting, if you look at the text in John, the last half of 18 and into 19, at a first read, I don't know if you've read this text before, maybe this is your first time, but the first couple times that I read this text, you know what hits me about Pilate? It, you can almost come to think that the Pilate is, is sympathetic to Jesus. That, that he's, it's almost like Pilate's on Jesus' side a little bit because over and over, in fact, three times the same statement is repeated. Pilate goes, you know, I find no basis for a charge against this man. And it says that Pilate over and over was trying to release Jesus. And Pilate's in this dialogue with Jesus. And so you can almost come away with the sense that, like, Pilate kind of had Jesus back almost on this. And I just, I want to clear this up, okay? We, uh, we, have to, we have to get the story straight here, okay? Because here's the deal about Pilate, okay? According to all historians, Pontius Pilate was one of the most ruthless, brutal dictators okay i mean he absolutely hated the jews he didn't respect their customs he didn't respect their traditions he didn't respect them at all he despised them and you got to remember jesus was jewish 
Okay, I mean, to Pilate, Jesus is just, he's just another Jewish guy. So he didn't give a rip about Jesus, okay? And I want you, let's look, uh, we're going to jump right into John 19, the first five verses. Let's look what it says, okay? In case you get this idea, maybe Pilate is, you know, super sympathetic to Jesus, is on his side. Verse 1, it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Okay, time out. Does that sound like someone who's on Jesus' side there? If you have anyone seen the movie The Passion of the Christ with uh, Mel Gibson's movie, where uh, you, you remember that scene, uh, to be flogged, was they would take a whip that was like threaded with shards of metal and bone, and the whole goal was to tear apart your flesh. And many people wouldn't even survive a flogging. So uh, he says, Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Then the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Verse 4, Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here's the man. Okay, so here's what you've got going on here. Pilate, he, first he flogs Jesus, okay, just beats him mercilessly. Then he puts a purple robe around him. What does that signify? What did purple signify? Royalty, okay? And a crown of thorns on his head. And now he brings Jesus out in front of the Jewish leaders. This gives you such insight into just how brutal Pilate is. He's basically making a mockery, not just of Jesus, but of the entire Jewish people. He's saying, hey, here's your pathetic-looking king. And in another, in another passage, a few verses later, he actually says, here's your king. Look at him. You see, Pilate, Pilate could care less about the Jews, and he could care less about Jesus. The whole deal here, guys, is this, okay? If you're wanting to know the real reason that Pilate was so reluctant to kill Jesus, the real reason is this. Pilate didn't care about Jesus. What he cared about was making sure that there was not any sort of a revolt. There was no uprising, okay? Pilate's whole job was to make sure that this group of people that he was oppressing and that he was kind of keeping down didn't, like, have this massive outbreak and, like, start killing people and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So the only thing he's thinking about is, I've heard this guy Jesus is stirring up some stuff, and I just want to make sure that this doesn't cause me any problems down the line. You see, for Pilate, it's all about power. And you see it. In John 19, 10 and 11, where he's having an exchange with Jesus, and he's getting frustrated because he's asking Jesus a question, and Jesus is refusing to talk to him. So he says to Jesus, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. I love this picture of Jesus right here. You have to remember that here is Jesus. He has just been brutally flogged. He, is, he has just endured suffering that some people wouldn't have even survived. Okay? He's been mocked, and now he is in front of one of the most ruthless, savage leaders okay? who basically can do whatever he wants with Jesus. And Jesus looks into the eyes of this evil man, and I just love his boldness. He looks back at him and he says, listen, the only reason that you have this power to make this decision right now is because it's already been orchestrated from above. God has set these things in motion. It has nothing to do with you, Pilate. It has nothing to do with you. This is for a much grander purpose, a much grander reason. 
You see, the gospel writer John, who's writing this entire gospel, okay, the reason that he includes this in here, he gives us this little window, and Jesus giving this response, okay, what, what John is after, and he's been after it in the entire gospel, is that ultimately this has been God's plan from the very beginning, okay? So here's the deal. Okay. It's not because the Jewish leaders were so smart that they were able to arrange a way to like capture Jesus in the middle of the night and bring him to the Roman authorities. It wasn't because Jesus' disciples were too scared and they all scattered and they like you weren't courageous enough to rescue Jesus. That's not the reason that Jesus was killed. Okay? Jesus wasn't like supposed to live to be 75 years old and, and have this tremendously long ministry. God set everything in motion. Okay? This was God's plan from the very beginning laid it out in a specific way for the redemption of the world so that Jesus Christ would die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And the the gospel writer John is so emphatic about driving this point home that as he's detailing uh, the crucifixion, okay, he puts certain details in there, and you've got to understand, he's putting them in there for a reason, okay? And he puts in there four things that happened during this crucifixion that all illustrate uh, the fulfillment of prophecy, of these predictions that were laid out in the Old Testament. Once again, this is illustrating again, this has been God's plan since the beginning of time, that God was going to do this thing. Okay, And so in verses 24, 28, 36, and 37, you can read them uh, later on today or some other time on your own, he lays out these four, uh, four things that happened that indicate that these were fulfillment of the Scriptures, fulfillment of the Scriptures. So, once again, this has been God's plan all the way through. Now, what you need to understand about John, the gospel writer, is this is a historical account, okay? His gospel, it is history. But you've got to understand something. It's not unbiased, okay? John has an agenda here, and you've got to get this, okay? In fact, we see clearly what his agenda is. In John 20, 31, which most scholars and theologians would say is kind of the whole purpose of him writing this gospel. If you could sum it up in one sentence, it's this, John 20, 31. The gospel writer writes, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, John is on a mission with this gospel. Yes, he's recording facts. But ultimately, what he's trying to do is he's trying to persuade us of this most unbelievable reality that he's come to understand, that Jesus Christ has come to redeem us, has come to die on a cross for our sins. And what he's saying here is Jesus wasn't just some other man. No, he's the Son of God. And what I want to say to you here is if you've been kind of trekking along with this whole uh, Gospel of John series that we've been doing, we've we've been on it for about 10 weeks or so, and you've been starting to maybe get a different sort of a picture of who Jesus is. And you're starting to wonder, well, yeah, maybe he was. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd like to explore more of those prophecies or, or some different things. I, I'm just really curious now. Um, that There's no conversation that excites me more than that. Uh, I, it wasn't too long ago that I was in a similar place of wrestling and trying to figure out who Jesus was. And so I just want to say to you personally, if, if that's where you are today and you're just super interested in, in having more conversations or looking at some more of the evidence for who Jesus was, I would love to, uh, to provide some resources for you to sit down and have a conversation to pray with you. And so I encourage you to use that Connect card that I talked about in the beginning. Now, if, if you're interested, just, just write a way I can contact you and we'll, we'll get together and we'll talk a little bit more about it. 
So anyway, that, that really is the crux of what this gospel is all about. But what I want us to, to focus in on for the remainder of the time is just three verses, three verses that, that give us just an awesome look at, uh, at Jesus. And I, I think for, for many of us, it'll give us something to kind of look at Jesus in a new way. We're going to look at uh, verses 25 to 27. It says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Now, we're all, almost every single one of us here uh, knows that Jesus had 12 disciples. Okay, that's like pretty much common knowledge, even if you've never been to church, you know that. But what a lot of us don't know, and I didn't know until just pretty recently, was that yes, Jesus had 12 disciples that he was like spending all his time with, right? Really close relationship. But Jesus also, he had an inner circle of three that were like his, his BFFs, you know what I'm saying? Like these, 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 this was like his closest knit group. You guys all know what BFF means, right? Okay. Um, and and uh, it was Peter, James, and John, okay? So here's the deal, okay? I like to think about, um, about Jesus and his 12 disciples as kind of a model for our community groups that we do here at Grace. Uh, but what, what Jesus also had was, was this, this, it was this tight circle of these four, these four guys together, that what we like to call around here at Grace a life group, where Jesus was able to share things that he didn't share with his other disciples. He uh, revealed certain things about himself, and he was, he was at his most vulnerable around those guys. So let me just give you two examples. Okay. Uh, if you guys have heard of the transfiguration, big word, uh, maybe we don't even really fully know what that means, but basically what it says is that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, just those three disciples, his closest friends, and he takes them up on a mountain. Okay? And up on the mountain, his glory is revealed. Like He just co- like becomes illuminated, and it's like the full glory of God is upon Jesus Christ. And, uh, and it says that Moses and Elijah are there, and uh, it's this just unbelievable a supernatural experience that he only shared with those three guys. And then uh, the night that he's arrested, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. Many, many of you guys have heard this story. But what he does is he's praying with his disciples and then he goes to Peter, James, and John. And he pulls those three guys to the side. He says, hey guys, can you, can you come over with me? And, and they, they come over, just, just the four of them, and this is, this is so unbelievable. This, this is in Matthew chapter 26. You can take a look at it sometime. Um, Jesus says, you know, it says that Jesus became troubled and he just became so anguished. And basically the way I read that is that basically what happened was Jesus starts freaking out. Okay? He knows what's about to happen. He knows the pain and the torture and the suffering that's ahead of him. And you got to remember, Jesus is not only fully God, but he's also fully human. Okay? And so he basically loses it. He breaks down. Jesus Christ is coming unglued, you guys. This is amazing stuff. And right there, he just, he just tells his disciples, like, I, don't, I just don't know if I can do this. I mean, it's, it's so powerful. You know, we see Jesus in so many different lights, don't we? I mean, we think about Jesus as, as this, you know, peacemaker, and uh, we think about his miracles, and we think about his amazing teaching, and we think about his sacrifice, we think about all these things. 
but I don't think that we really realize that Jesus was also fully human, that he was vulnerable, that he had times when he desperately needed people to be around him. And so here we have Jesus hanging on a cross, and it says that all of his disciples had scattered when he got arrested, okay? So Jesus is up on the cross, and then we see a picture of John, who was arguably Jesus' best friend, okay, the closest of those three guys, here at the cross. This is a huge deal that John is at the cross, okay? I mean, sometimes we've heard this story so much. We're like, oh, yeah, you know, Jesus on the cross. It, it almost becomes like we don't even really stop and really think about what's really happening. But think about this, okay? So Jesus is, is being crucified for his claims. There's a reason why all of his disciples scattered, right? I mean, they're terrified. They're terrified. They're like, man, if they kill Jesus, and Jesus is like the most powerful one, he's the leader, you know, he should be able to get out of this. All the other disciples are, are thinking, there's no way. I'm not associating with, with Jesus right now. They, they might kill me next. So it's incredibly bold that John is here at the foot of the cross. He pushes through all of his fears, all those emotions, okay? And he's there at the foot of the cross for Jesus. And this is when Jesus turns to him and says, John, I need you to take care of my mom. And I think this speaks to the depth of the relationship here between Jesus and John. You got to remember that Jesus had half brothers and half sisters. Okay. And he's not talking to any of them. He's talking to no blood relation of his mom, but he's talking to his best friend, his closest disciple. And he's saying, I need you to take care of my mother. This is powerful, powerful stuff. Jesus at a place where he is actually in need of someone else. I think this is a powerful example for us. Okay? And, and this is really uh, the, the takeaway for me. Okay? And here's the takeaway. See, I can go on in my life and, and kind of the society that we live in, especially as men. I'm talking to you men especially. We're kind of taught that, you know, suck it up. You know, look good on the outside. Like, if you're dealing through something, stay strong, right? I mean, that's just kind of the mentality that we're supposed to be in. Well, here Jesus says, or shows us an example, that even he had times where he was losing it. Even he had times where he had to share things, where he was freaking out. He needed a shoulder to cry on. He needed someone to be with him. He needed a close-knit circle where he could share anything in the world that he needed to share. So, If that's true for Jesus Christ, is it possible that maybe it's true for us? I think so. So, um, you know, I I was really struck by this last year, uh, hearing about Jesus and and this close-knit circle of three disciples that he had. And so, uh, as as John and I were talking and praying, uh, one of the things that we realized was, uh, if this is so critical to Jesus that he has his little life group, that he's got this little group that, that he can share anything that's going on in his life. Maybe that's something that we should do here at Grace. Maybe there's a biblical model for that. And so last fall, um, we did a big push one Sunday, and we talked about this principle of trying to find a few people that you know here at Grace or maybe someone that you've met some, somewhere else, but someone that you really trust you really, really trust that you feel like you could, you could share the, the innermost details of your life. And to kind of group up with either one or two or three other people and just kind of get together and just talk about life, to pray with each other. 
And so we kicked that off, and, and we had, I don't know, we had maybe 15 or so uh, groups that just kind of emerged, and there's probably many others that, that we haven't heard about. But um, what I wanted to do is, this has been so exciting, because I've heard little stories, little nuggets, little pieces here and there. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring up a couple representatives from a couple different groups and just hear a little bit about the impact that this has made on them. So if you guys would, uh, would welcome Wendy and Mike, if, uh, can you give them a hand as they come on up here? You want to sit or you want to stand? Okay. Wendy wants to stand, man, so I guess you're standing. Okay. All right. Um, so we're going to start. We're going to do ladies first. Okay. Um, so, Wendy, you jumped into this whole life group thing last fall, roughly, and uh, initially grouped up with, with two other women. And let me get you a microphone. That would be really helpful, wouldn't it? So, and yeah, one of them, Kirsty, is sick this morning. She was supposed to. Yeah, she was supposed to come up with me, but. Um, so, so anyway, you guys got together, mm-hmm. and uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about how that works. Like when you, when you guys get together, uh, do you, do you have something you study? Do you, you, how does the we, conversation go? How often do you meet? Stuff like um, that? We started out with the Chasing Daylight series and started with that book, and we did a chapter a week and went through the whole, the whole entire book. Sometimes life got in the way, and we'd skip a chapter that week and just talk about what's going on in our lives, just because, you know, stuff can happen with work and with friends and everything else. So we just would kind of, you know, put that on the sideboard for a little bit and then get back into the book and everything. And, and how, did the, how did this come about? Like, who, who approached you? Um, I think this? it was Liz, Liz Bracken. Okay, yeah. so, so Liz came one. to you, and mm-hmm. we talked about this whole concept of, yeah. of the life group. Yeah. And what, do you remember what she said? Or? Well, we had all met in the Connecting with God class. Okay. So there were the three of us and, you know, a whole bunch, the first class that went through. And we just kind of clicked and really got along and everything like that. And Liz came up and said, you know, do you and Christy want to do this life group? And I thought, this is a great idea. <laughs> so we, you know, started getting together and going through the, the Chasing Daylight series. And just after that, after we finished the book, we still liked that relationship. We mm-hmm. still liked seeing each other and, and getting together and just sharing our lives because we had become so close. Very cool. Yeah. So, so now you guys don't actually have a formal Mm-mm. study topic thing that you're doing. No. You guys just come together and just kind of yeah. just say, hey, what's, if it's been, what's going on? If it's on? been like a week or so and we haven't heard or seen each other at church or, you know, going out to lunch or anything like that, we start calling each other just mm-hmm. to see, you know, how you doing, how's your, you know, how's life, how's work, just that type of thing in general. So. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Now, I want to get to the real heart of the, heart of the issue, yeah. the thing that, that really... Um, I think it's so cool about this concept that mm-hmm. Jesus lays out for us. Uh, tell me a little bit about what what this group mm-hmm. means to you. Um, it it meant a lot prior to two weeks ago, and then two weeks ago it became a strong part of my life. Um, before it was, you know, girls getting together and just kind of, you know, talking through everything. But two weeks ago... I had a dear friend of mine pass away suddenly. He was only 33 years old. And he was a a guy that I grew up with in church and knew his family and just a part of our family. So when that happened, I think Christy had just hadn't seen me for a week or so. And I, I found out that Saturday. And... I think Christy called me on Sunday and was just like, I didn't see you in church. I, you know, I wondered how you were and we need to get together and everything. 
And I just sent back a quick email just to tell her what was going on and how I was just wrestling with why God would take this Christian man away from his family. Mm. So young. (laughs) And I just, I really struggled very, very hard with a lot of questions. And she basically sent one email back and was like, Liz's house tomorrow night, 730, you know. And she brought the box of tissues. (laughs) And we just just had a, you know, had a heart to heart and they just were there for me. They, you know, dropped everything that they were doing and just were as supportive as could be. Mm. And that just meant the world to me. Mm. And we, so. we know that you're still dealing with that, that mm. loss of your friend and, and uh, we're so sorry that that, uh, that, that happened. But um, I think it's so cool that you had a couple of uh, mm. really good friends that, that you could lean on and you could, yeah. you know, you could throw out your struggles and your doubts. And I know and they that, were right there. Yeah. I don't know if they had plans that night. I don't know. But they yeah. just dropped everything and were just as supportive. as. And that's what you find with uh, core Christian, Christian friends. You just get that bond and, you know, you'll, you know, you know you're going to spend eternity with them. So it makes it even better. Yeah. <laughs> so. I know that uh, Christy couldn't be here, but she was joking around that, like, you guys were having this conversation about how, like, if you were in jail and you got your one phone call. Yeah. You know, I would know that any of them would be there for me anytime, middle of the night, you know, four in the morning, whatever. Yeah, you don't want to call mom and dad no. from jail either anyway, so. Uh, I never would. <laughs> I would never be arrested. Um, well, Wendy, thank you so much yep. for sharing. And if you get, I just want you to kind of hang up here, and if you get another thought, uh, feel free. But I want to I want to give the, the microphone over to, uh, to Mike mm-hmm. and uh, – just your life group is is maybe a little bit different. It's actually been meeting before we ever called things life groups. You guys have been at it for for years. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't know what a life group was until we started. You called me the other day, <laughs> but I guess we've been having one. Yes, <laughs> so. you have been. Um, so now it's it's four of you guys. Right? Um, yeah, right now it's there's been various people that have rotated in and out, but, um, but we started this up out of a community group that we went to at Rob and Betsy Severn's house, um, and Rob. And I and I and Hassel, who's not here now, um, I think we're the first ones that start doing it. And then uh, and then Frank and Brooke kind of joined on with us uh, pretty soon thereafter. And and that was about I guess we've been doing it for about four years. It, and recently, I guess Rob got tired of getting up early and d- decided he was eating too much greasy food. We we t- we meet um, at Bob and Edith's. Uh, diner on Columbia Pike uh, once a week um, at about 6.30 in the morning. So I'm not sure if it was the early time or the greasy food that <laughs> Rob got tired of, or maybe the company. <laughs> so so, um, so you guys, and now um, I know for Wendy, uh, her group, they don't really need any sort of a structured formal study. I mean, they just go. You know, they just get together and they just talk life. For you guys, you guys actually have a little bit of something that, that gives you some food for thought. Tell me about well, that. Well, we, we've just, for the most part, have just gone through, like, picking a book of the Bible. Um, and then we'll just, uh, we, nobody really prepares. We just kind of show up. And right now we're reading through Isaiah. And so we'll just read a couple chapters of Isaiah and then just see if, well, did anything out of that hit anybody? You know, was, it, was there anything that, you know, that we can get from that? And so that that's something that just kind of keeps us moving in a little bit more spiritual realm and we figured that at least if we're doing that even during those times where we're not really getting into the word other times at least once a week where we know we're going to open the bible and read a little bit then so so we do that and then we we usually just talk about whatever else is going on with people usually after that um and then just uh prayer requests and kind of pray for things that are happening with people very cool and um and we were talking on the phone and you were sharing kind of what the group 
uh, means to you. Tell me a little bit about, just personally, for Mike, what, why, why do you bother getting up so stinking early in the morning and putting that greasy food in your stomach? I mean, what's, the, what, you know, what's, what's in it for you? Um, I, I guess the impetus to start it was just more, ha- uh, to do something separate, just guys, you know, just because it seems like developing some of those friendships amongst men is something that doesn't always get very deep. You know, it's, it's easy to do stuff with people and watch sports and do activities and things, but it's, it's not necessarily as easy to um, get a little bit deeper. And so we felt that that's really was the impetus to kind of start it. And that's, I guess, really what's continued it is to have somebody that knows you a little better that you can, uh, if you've got problems or things to just kind of sort through to kind of talk it over with and, and, and know that if something really happens that you got somebody else that, you, you know, knows you well enough that, you, you know, would be willing to help out with whatever it may be. And one of the themes that emerged, I've been talking to all different kinds of people who I know are doing this life group thing this week. I was, I'm making a ton of phone calls and just hearing people's perspectives. And I don't know if you guys, what you guys think about this, but kind of the theme that, that I was, saw emerging from over and over, guys and girls, was this is a place where I can pretty much put anything out there and I feel like I trust these people. I'm not going to worry about getting judged or, you know, anyone kind of talking about anything. What, what do you guys, how do you feel about that? You kind of. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Oh no! I, I I got a long way to go in my Oprah in my Oprah abilities here. Okay. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Um, well, um, we were sharing on a, on a personal note. You were telling me a story, um, and I don't. We don't need all the full details of it, but just kind of in a nutshell, you were talking about how the life group had some value for you when you were kind of going through a, a difficult time at work. Just yeah. kind of briefly tell us. Um, I guess that's one of the things that we have. Uh, it tends to come up a lot in prayer requests and things that are going on with people. It's just things that work. Um, and, and there was just one in particular when, uh, when my, when I was going through some turmoil, just in terms of our office, there were some older, uh, people that were retiring. And so the structure of the office was kind of getting sh- shaken up. And so there was just a lot of turmoil, a lot of stress and a lot of people not getting along real well and having to fire office managers and just a lot of problems. And, and, um, and then part in the midst of all that, some of it was me trying to figure out my role kind of in the, uh, business part of our, uh, our practice and, and some, and other people that were kind of, uh, I don't know how I get into it all, but, yeah. but it, but it was more me, me coming to a point where I could accept what I was going to do was as much as I could do. And I also needed to have some humility, you know, not really worrying about titles and and uh, that sort of thing, but but who, or, or really who on the surface is kind of running things, but just r- realizing that everybody has their own talents, and, and I need to do what I do best, but also just be humble and not really be worrying about taking credit for certain things. And that was something that kind of came out in discussions there. And then once I kind of figured that out and was able to take at it, you know, take it um, to some of these people that I was battling with to really just step back and not battle and just kind of say, all right, I'm just giving it over. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, it's been a much more positive place. And, and so it was a huge uh, kind of breakthrough amongst some people that's really gone a long way. And, and I think a lot of that was coming from a praying about it, but also having some people to talk it over and figure out what my role in all that was. So, Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. That's, that's neat. Uh, Wendy, do you have any, any parting shot or anything else? Or we, we pretty much hit it? Yep. Okay. Good deal. Hey, can you give these guys a hand? Thanks, guys. Um, in your bulletin, you have your, your homework assignment that we've been, we've been putting in there each week. 
But uh, on the back, we have a little uh, bit of information about these life groups and this concept and uh, kind of some scripture verses you can look at for a, a biblical model and, um, and then kind of how you would even begin to get started. You see, uh, one of the things that, um, <clears throat> that Wendy was sharing and, you know, that, that happened organically with, uh, with Mike and, and some guys was that this, is, this isn't something that at Grace we're going to have like a big sign-up sheet for, okay? Like we're not going to say, in the back after the service, like we'll buddy you up with somebody. And so if this is your very first uh, Sunday at Grace, or you're here and you don't really feel like you know anybody, um, then basically, like, I'm not giving you kind of something that you can immediately, like, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, they're gonna, you're going to freak them out if you do that. So please don't, please don't turn to someone and say, you want to do a life group? Okay, like, what's your name? So don't, don't do that, okay? If, if you're in that position, let me just say quickly, uh, you may still have someone in your life that, that you can do this with, okay? I actually uh, have a life group, so to speak. I have one guy. He lives in Oxford, Ohio, and we use a telephone, and it works. And, uh, and I, that's the guy I can share anything with in my life. So just because maybe you don't know a lot of people here, uh, you, it, you, know, you may still have someone in your life that you can do that. Or it may, this may just be a good time for you to say, you know what? This is a great excuse. I realize I don't know that many people here. I'm new here. I'm going to start jumping into some activities. I'm going to sign up for the camping trip or go on the day trip to Lake Anna or I'm going to go to a young professional's thing or, you know, whatever. Like just jump into something, get into a community group um, and start to build relationships. But for many of us here, okay, for many of us here, we had two, over 200 people, I think 225 people who went through the Acts experience together, okay, where you got together in intentional community for six weeks. So uh, that, was, that was in the fall. So, um, you know, you've had some time. Many of these groups have still been, been going on. And um, so you may, you may have a couple people that you're just like, man, I really respect what that person has to say. I, I, li- I think I might like to talk to this person about just getting together, one or two or three other people. And so here's the challenge, okay, that I want to throw out to, to you guys today, okay? And particularly since it's Father's Day, I'm going to speak particularly to you men in the room. In fact, guys, I want you to stand up. Just the guys. Stand up for me. All right, listen here, man. All right? We have this uncanny ability to resist this kind of stuff, okay? We like to stand up big and tall. It's a good-looking crew we got here, okay? We like to stand up big and tall, and this is part of the essence of being a man, okay? But listen to me. If Jesus Christ at times needed these three guys to rally around him, to pray for him, to share exactly what what was going on with him. He needed that support. We all know here, guys, that we need that too. And I want to issue a special challenge to you guys to push through this, okay? Think about, do you have someone in your life? Do you have another guy in your life that you can share anything with? That you can talk about your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your insecurities, whatever's going on with you. I want to challenge you to start to think about maybe who that person might be and taking a step toward doing that. I think that will bless you tremendously. Okay, you guys can sit back down. Thank you. So, uh, but this goes for all of us, okay? This goes for all of us. So you might in your mind already be thinking of a couple people, and that's wonderful. If not, keep this whole concept in prayer and keep taking steps towards building your relationships and doing what Jesus kind of lays out an example for us to do. All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just want to say thank you. We thank you um, for your sacrifice on that cross. And we thank you, God, that 
that sacrifice wasn't because Pilate just decided, sure, let's crucify you. Or uh, it wasn't just because of some, you know, a group of people got together and came up with a great way to, to, to put you on that cross, Jesus. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that, that this was pre-orchestrated, that, that this was part of a, a grander purpose, a divine plan, that you knew that you needed to go up on that cross because we live in a messed up, broken world that every single one of us has done stuff that we're not proud of. We've made mistakes. We've fallen short of perfection. We are in need of a savior, whether we realize it and recognize it or not. We thank you for your sacrifice on that cross and that it was your plan and your will and that Pilate was merely just an instrument in what you needed to do, Lord. Lord, we thank you that although you were fully God, you also were fully man. We don't understand how that works, but we recognize that that you suffered tremendously and we recognize, God, that at times you were were losing it. Jesus, you you were... you are losing it. God, we, we've all been there. Lord, you know that, that Wendy was just there two weeks ago. And her friend and, and his family, God, I mean, oh, this is terrible stuff, God. There are times in our lives where just like you needed Peter, James, and John, we need people that we can really confide in, that we can really trust, that we can really share our lives with. God, help us to push through kind of awkwardness and insecurity and, you know, all those feelings that we might have that might make us resist authentic relationship. And help us to reach out to someone with this idea because, God, it is such a blessing when we do it. We were not created to walk this life alone, not any part of it. Help us, God, especially the guys in this room. I pray for the guys in this room, God. Help them to take a step. Pray for the women in this room, God. Help them to take a step. Lord, just bless us this day. Help us to continue to walk in your will. In Christ's name.